Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. If you could know the the time of your death or how you were going to die, would you want to know? I wouldn't. I know my sinful heart. If I knew that I was going to die on Ash Wednesday, 2086, at the ripe old age of 100, what would that do to me? How important would the Word of God be in my life? Why would I spend time getting to know myself better as God reveals myself to me on the pages of Scripture and getting to know Him better as He reveals Himself to me on the pages of Scripture when I could spend the next, oh, I don't know, 40, 50 years getting really good at fishing or trying to resurrect my golf game? Maybe when I turn 90, I could spend the last 10 years, which probably aren't going to be as good for fishing and golf, I could spend those 10 years just almost as long as I've been a pastor. Studying the Word of God every day, I could get caught up then. Get right with God in those last 10 years. Ah, maybe five or even the last year. I'm sure there'd be so much else I could focus my attention on, right? And if if I knew how I was going to die, especially if it was going to be a gruesome death, or a long, dragged-out, slow, agonizing death. I'm not sure I'd be able to take my mind off of what was about to happen. I, I think I would dwell on it. I would consistently find myself depressed. I'm glad I don't know when I'm going to die. I'm glad I don't know how I'm going to die. I hope that thought process helps you better appreciate what it is our Savior Jesus went through as he took his final steps. He knew exactly what was coming. And he knew when it was coming. He told his disciples what was coming. He told them when it was coming. As the word of God made flesh, he knew exactly what was coming. Just think of what he wrote through the prophet Isaiah's hand in Isaiah chapter 53. He knew he'd be pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. He knew the punishment that would bring us peace would be on him and that by his wounds, we would be healed. And his footsteps still led him right toward that death. During this season of of Lent, our our focus is going to be on the the final moments of Jesus' life, we will follow his last footsteps toward the cross. And as we begin this journey that I think will be quite memorable for you, tonight we see his footsteps lead him to a tomb. To a tomb that was emptied for our comfort, for our blessing. And a tomb that was emptied to set the final course of God's plan of salvation into motion. John chapter 11 begins with this note that um, this was going to take place in Bethany. 
Bethany is just a little village that was about two miles outside of Jerusalem. And that's particularly interesting because at the end, Jesus is moving toward Jerusalem. That's where his enemies were. His enemies were in Jerusalem, the the chief priests, the the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the people who had been tracking him around for three years, looking for some way to bust him for any little piece of evidence that he couldn't be the Messiah, that he couldn't be the Son of God. Of course, they, they never could find anything against him. At the very end of John chapter 10, we hear he continuously escaped their grasp. They, they couldn't get him. And so the fact that he would go closer to them at the end is interesting. When Jesus catches word that his friend Lazarus is sick, his decision is to go closer, but not as you might expect. The sisters of Lazarus sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Why two days? Why not go? If if he really loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, why wouldn't he go right away when he heard that Lazarus was sick? Well, you just heard the reason. The reason he waited two days was so that God's Son may be glorified through it. So that he could say to his disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. And of course, the disciples hear Jesus say that, and they think to to themselves, oh, well, if he's sleeping, he'll get better. And then Jesus has to say a little differently, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Jesus waited two days because he knew exactly what needed to be done. He knew what Martha needed to hear when she met him as he approached the village and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She needed to hear Jesus say to her, your brother will rise again. And she knew that and she believed that. Right away when she heard Jesus say, your brother will rise again, she knew that he would on the last day, on judgment day, he would rise again. And in that moment, thinking that he would remain dead till the last day, she needed to hear the exact same words that you and I hear when we stand by the open grave of a loved one who's just passed away. As we hear the pastor say, dust to dust, ashes to ashes, earth to earth, she needed to hear him say the same words that we need to hear him say in those moments of loss. She needed to hear him say, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, we say. Yes, Lord, we we believe this because we are watching your final steps 
toward this tomb, toward the second sister, Mary, who also meets Jesus and says, again, same words, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have died, would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. He asked to be led to the tomb. And when he got to the tomb, he wanted it to be opened. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there four days. No one else there wanted that stone rolled away. But Jesus demanded that it be rolled away. Everyone else standing there knew that because they don't embalm their dead, four days later, that body was decomposing. And what lay behind that stone was a nightmarish scene. None of them wanted to see Lazarus that way. But Jesus demanded the stone be rolled away. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took the stone away. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus took his final steps toward that that tomb because he knew what Martha and Mary needed. He knew they needed comfort as they mourned their brother's loss and he knew that Lazarus needed to know that God really does work for good in all things for his children. Jesus took his final steps toward that tomb because he knew that his disciples really needed to see as eyewitnesses exactly who it was that they were following Because soon, very soon, he would send them out as eyewitnesses across the world. And he knew that you and I needed this to happen too. So that as we deal with death, whether it's expected or not, we would know exactly who our Savior is, the one who has power over death, the one who can call to a dead man, come out, and he does so that we would know that nothing is impossible with God and that death really has lost its sting. I mentioned a few minutes ago that Jesus was moving closer to his enemies. And now that he's near the Jewish people again, the Jewish leaders, you might think, okay, well, this, this is going to turn things around. This is going to make it so that the people who had been trying to bust him and figure out a way to prove that he was a fraud, now they're going to believe. You might have heard of the the Jewish Talmud. It's an old set of Jewish readings, but not as old as the New Testament. It actually was 
written beginning around 200 years after Jesus, and then it was written into the 500s AD. So we're talking about documents that are 1,800 to 1,500 years old. Well, in the Talmud, we're told that Jewish people of Jesus' day believed that when a person died, their soul would linger around their body for three days. And it was possible that that person might come back to life yet. But after three days, there was no hope. After three days, that body was not coming back to life. Jesus made sure it was four. Jesus made sure there was no hope for this body to come back to life when he brought it back to life. And the reaction showed what you might expect. The Jewish people who were there were absolutely shocked and word spread like wildfire. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here's this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Then one of them, named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own. But as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. And not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Jesus' final steps led to a tomb, a tomb that needed to be emptied. Yes, for our comfort, but a tomb that needed to be emptied so that his enemies would be stirred into this fevered pitch so that a rage inside of them would boil over and lead to a ridiculous plot, an illegal trial by night, and a crucifixion the next day. Jesus knew this would be the thing that would spark the rest of salvation history into action. He knew this would be the thing that would set the Jewish leaders over the edge and make them stop at nothing to see to it that he would die. And that's exactly what happened. On that Passover day, when the Lamb of God was sacrificed for the sins of the whole world, I don't know when I'm going to die and I don't know how I'm going to die and neither do you. But Jesus does. Jesus knows exactly when you're going to die and he knows exactly how you're going to die. And so as he took his final steps toward the cross, he made sure that his final steps would lead him to this tomb, this tomb of Lazarus, to bring you comfort and to bring him to the cross. Jesus says to you, Very truly I tell you, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. 
Jesus tells you this so that when you face the death of a loved one or face your own fleeting last breaths, you'll remember what he said. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Amen.